Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. How do you guys know each other? Oh, Jessica, you will remember Chad from my wedding <laughs> as the guy who was dancing on a wall. Oh, <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> uh, that's me. Yep. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. We are starting our little mini series of quarantine chats with our buddy Chad. And Chad. Quarantine Chad. Chad, I do want you to know that you did not need to go get coronavirus for us to bring you onto the podcast. Listen, I've been trying to get on the podcast for who knows how long now. And uh, the only way that I knew was to go big or go home, you know? Mm -hmm. So I decided to go big and then come home to Arizona to be quarantined for who knows how long. It's ongoing. Yeah. Yeah, it's an evolving situation. <laughs> I'm super excited to just pick your brain about coronavirus because yeah, you're the I'm only person I know with it. Yes, I have it and I am big fan, big fan of the corona, big fan <laughs> of big Rona. <laughs> so we wanted to bring Chad on for a little quarantine chat because I think a lot of people are the same as me where we don't know anybody that actually has coronavirus. And I think there's just a lot of fear and just unknown. And we thought it would be interesting to talk to Chad about his experience and how he's kind of been managing his own anxieties uh, with everything going on, seeing as, as he, he has the Rona. <laughs> so <laughs> Chad, do you want to just maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll just go from there? Yeah, totally. Um, so, hi, everybody on the listening ecosphere. I don't know how to, I've never been on a podcast. This is different. You're doing great. But, uh, no, so, I'm, uh, I'm Chad. I live in New York City. Um, currently, I am in Phoenix, Arizona because uh, I wanted to flee the apocalypse that was New York City. Um, and last Tuesday I got tested because I wasn't feeling very good and, um, my chest was feeling tight. Uh, I never really had a fever. I kind of had body aches for one night, but I just, you know, I have asthma and I just wasn't feeling super hot and, uh, I'm staying with my parents who are, you know, a little bit older They're in their mid sixties and I just wanted to be sure. Um, but when I mentioned to the CDC people that I, came from New York about a week or two ago. Um, they're like, yeah, come on in and get tested. And then uh, I went in and they shoved this like tiny Q-tip all the way into my brain, which was like super fun. It's real um, nice. Yeah, it was real nice. It really threw off my flirting with the nurses. Um, <laughs> oh, bummer. Uh, yeah, it was not, you know, 
they were dressed to the nines in their hazmat suits. I was just going to say, were they looking sexy, though? I <laughs> doubt it. I mean, it depends <laughs> on your definition of sexy. But uh, I find a strong, independent woman very attractive. Hello, ladies. Um, but... No, it was it was a experience. I went through like the drive through testing stuff and everybody was like super nice, really careful, like windows all the way up, though. And then a few days later, I got the test results and uh, came back positive for coronavirus. And the next few days were pretty. Like pretty OK, but over the weekend, like I kind of took a turn and things got pretty hairy there for a second. Um but I'll tell you what, like, what's really interesting is like, you know, KJ, you saw I put on my Instagram just for like friends and family like, hey, I do have it. You know, I'm back in Arizona. I'm quarantined away from my parents. Like if I leave the room, I'm wearing a mask and gloves. My parents are masked and gloved up. Um, and I let the people know who I saw. I only saw a small handful of people. KJ's brother and sister-in-law were one of them. I stayed with them when I was in Utah. Um and luckily, like, then Kevin's, they're feeling okay. Everything's going well. Um, the doctors actually think I picked it up on my drive from Utah to Arizona. So very long-winded kind of intro about what happened here. But, uh, yeah, I flew to Utah first in order to check on my house because you guys had an earthquake. And my tenants thought that there might be a crack in the foundation of the house in Salt Lake. So I flew to Utah, checked on that, rented a car, and drove south to Arizona. Um and that's been my journey. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Feel free to fire off whatever questions you have. What a rowdy few weeks you've had. Yeah, yeah, it's been absolutely insane. <laughs> that you had to come to Utah because there was an earthquake. And then on your way from Utah to Arizona, you got coronavirus. It's wild. Yeah, it's definitely been a very, very good time. Um, couldn't happen to a nicer guy, you know? That's what I can say. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so when things kind of all started, um, you know, a few weeks ago when you, you were in New York, mm -hmm. was that pretty anxiety-inducing for you? Uh, were you consuming a lot of the media or were you managing things so that you weren't freaking out, I guess? Yeah, good question. No, um, pretty anxiety inducing. Like, I guess now is five or six weeks ago, you know, we were all told to work from home pretty early. Um, so like six weeks ago, I started just quarantining or like self isolating in my apartment. Um, didn't really see anybody wasn't really doing anything. Um, because we had a few, we had two confirmed cases in the office building in which I worked and I worked downtown at the time. Um, but we were, we were all like New York was shut down pretty early. People were taking it pretty seriously. Like a lot of office buildings, a lot of companies were having everybody work from home, being careful. Um, parks and stuff weren't shut down yet, but as like the weeks went on, you really saw the entire city like grind to a halt which was absolutely insane like i rode the subway that first weekend i had to ride the subway downtown and um i was like at 32nd street which is always always very packed and i'm the only one on the subway car nobody got on or off i like took a snap or a uh, instagram video because it was just so weird 
apocalyptic. Like I felt like I was Will Smith and I am legend, you know, I would go for walks at night. Thank you. Yeah. Great, great reference. Um, But I would go for walks at night and, you know, I took photos and and posted them because like Times Square is completely empty. Uh, Like I'm I'm walking and I see somebody just walking in the middle of the road, carrying a couple boxes, doing nothing. You know, there were like five mounted policemen in the middle of Times Square, which like you would never see normally. It's just, it's different. It's a different world there. And like, I got a lot of friends still out there who, you know, they're still hunkered down. Um, and the only reason I left was because my family here in Arizona, my mom and dad, and then a couple of aunts and uncles don't really have like a lot of young kids around here to like run errands and do stuff for them. So we made like kind of the family decision for me to come back and be that errand boy. And then of course I, come back and end up having coronavirus. So um, managing the anxiety in New York was like pretty okay, just because it was an unknown at the time. But like, you know, we knew that they were bringing in hospital ships and we knew that they kicked out all the students from all the dorms and were converting those into hospitals. Um, We saw them building hospital tents in Central Park and, um, like we knew that we were two weeks away from like running out of supplies. Um, and so just like knowing that, I don't know, New York is an amazing place. Like I, I love it there. I, I, I've been there like a year and some change now, but uh, like the people really do kind of come together and, and it felt like almost uh, as scary as it was, you also knew that like we were all kind of there doing the thing and trying to, you know, to, to steal a line from my good friend, Troy Bolton, we were all in it together. And, uh, that's, I don't know, that's kind of the prevailing thought or feeling that like you kind of had while I was out there. You know, I think that in New York, like you live on top of each other and like, you don't really know your neighbors that well until there's like something like this. And there's a, there was a big feeling of like camaraderie and, and community, which was, different right yeah oh i love that so what kind of stuff did you see out there as far as people kind of rallying around each other and coming together or was it more just everyone was like following i guess the rules you could say of like staying inside and kind of that team spirit of we'll protect each other this way yeah like kind of kind of both like you would just see like little things like uh like you'd run down to the bodega or what I like to call the Kona store, the corner store. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, you run down to the Kona store and you, uh, you know, you see people that like you, see, you know, some people in your neighborhood, you see them every once in a while, like, you know, not enough to like really say hi or talk, but a little head nod here or there, but everyone was just like way more friendly. Like we're all just very much keeping our distance, but like being a lot more conscientious and courteous than like, you typically see New Yorkers being, um, and then, you know, like food delivery, people, restaurants, bars, like the community really coming around. I think like the perfect encapsulation of it is like the 7 PM cheer for the healthcare workers. Like every night at seven people lean out their windows or go on their balconies and just start banging pots and pans because like, I don't know, it's wartime. Like it really feels like wartime the way that people are coming together and, you know, you see young kids doing errands for their entire building. That's like full of elderly people. Like one of the buildings down the street of my, from me is like a retirement home. 
and you just see like bags and bags and bags of groceries and supplies just like left outside, you know, and like some of it's DoorDash, some of it's Amazon Prime, but some of it's just like neighborhood people calling in and being like, all right, what can we run and get you? And that's, I don't know, that's been like a really, that was a really cool thing to see while I was out there. And like, honestly, being in Arizona, like I almost felt safer or like more like a part of something when I was in New York than being like here and completely isolated from everything even though like i've had so many friends and family reach out and like people who are obviously very worried about me but uh there's just some about new york there's always been just something about new york yeah it's an amazing place i think jessica and i both love it there when we've been there and and we have she and i have talked about how we just feel kind of removed from everything in that way i mean you know, I'm in a smaller town. There's just, I don't know. I just think the feeling is different. And it's been hard to kind of connect to everything that's been going on. So it's really cool to hear your experience and your stories because that just paints a more real picture of everything that's that's happening. Yeah, that's like an interesting observation. I think one thing that I've noticed in Arizona is like a lot of people – and I don't mean this is shade per se, but a lot of people like haven't taken it very seriously because of that feeling of removal, right? Like you're, you are in a small town. You probably don't see anybody getting sick around you. Um, but like, luckily, like, you know, a lot of people are being smart and doing the social distancing thing. But when I was in Utah, I was like surprised by the groups of people that I would see or like, I'd see people on Instagram or Snapchat, like going for big hikes with like, 15 people are having like dessert parties and stuff still. And I'm just like, I don't think you understand how serious this is because like, you know, in New York, like we saw it hit really, really fast. Like on the first day that we were all sent to work from home, it was like uh, an 1130 PM email because two people in the building had it. And then within 48 hours like we had over 100 people infected that we knew of in our office building and then just grew from there exponentially you know and so like i think that that feeling of separation is also like a big disservice to like the communities in more rural areas or like areas that are typically more urban sprawl like utah or arizona um you know just because you don't see the immediate effects even though like it's definitely still there and and you know, I hope and pray that it does not hit these areas as hard as like New York was hit. But I know from like personal experience how fast it hits and like how dangerous it is. Like um, you can probably maybe still hear me gasping for breath every once in a while, but it feels like every sentence that I say, it feels like I just ran a 10 second sprint. Um, and yeah, I've never felt like I was drowning in my own body before I've had, I have asthma and like, I've had um, like breathing issues my whole life. You know, I had anytime I get the the croup cough or like the flu, my lungs would fill up and it would like be difficult. But this feels like the best way I know how to describe it is like when you go for a run in really cold weather and your lungs just have that burning feeling, that's what it feels like constantly. And then uh, I almost feel like I'm drowning in my own body. Like I, I, uh, it's very, very difficult to like get catch my breath. And so for people who are at 
risk or susceptible, like that's a really scary thing. Like there's been nights where I've, you know, I've been like really worried and like really, really close to calling 911 just because I, I couldn't really breathe. So like on one hand, I love that like my parents are isolated. I love that you're isolated. But on the other hand, like it kind of doesn't make it feel real and that connection might not be there. And I think that that's been like a really dangerous part of this is uh, that lack of connection, you know, that lack of reality. So how have you been managing your anxiety through like a rough night where you feel like you're drowning in your own body? That's like <laughs> quite an image and a feeling, you know? Yeah. Gosh, that's such a good question. I. I don't know if I have a good answer. Are you meditating and breathing? And, no, I'm, I'm totally joking. You're like, just taking it one second at a time. <laughs> definitely, definitely focusing Journaling? on my breathing. Yes. Been doing a lot of that. Um, been really just uh, trying to find my, my center and align my chakras. Um, no, That's I what think, I would expect. Yeah. I think that like pain is interesting in the sense that when you are in it, when you're feeling pain or when like you're feeling that discomfort, you can't really focus on anything else. And anxiety a lot of the time is the focus on things that like you can't control and like a future state that you haven't yet arrived at. At least for me, every time that I feel anxious, which is like very often <laughs> I will be uh, very open and say, you know, I struggle with anxiety a lot. Um, but like anxiety is like for me, the result of not being present. And I guess like a really unfortunate blessing of being awake in the middle of the night and not being able to breathe is you're 100% present on that moment, right? Like the panic kind of sets in a little bit, but my thought process was, okay, like, big breath in, big breath out. You kind of go into like crisis mode where it's like, okay, do I actually need to call an ambulance right now? Like, do I actually need to go get intubated or am I just like a little bit worried because I'm not breathing as well as I want to be, you know, am I, are my lips turning blue? Am I going to pass out? Cause I don't have the air. And so I've kind of, Again, this is not a great answer, but for me, it's just been really focusing on one breath in, one breath out, and and recognizing, like, I don't want to go to the hospital. Like, I don't want to expose people to this, if at all possible, to avoid. And obviously, like, if it gets really bad, like, yes, that's what they're there for. And, like, I want to take advantage of, like, modern medicine and give my body time to heal. But, uh in the middle of the night, like without panicking, it's just really focusing on that, that inhale, exhale piece of it. I don't know, not a good answer, but it just kind of is yeah. what it is. No, I think that that's like a beautiful thought to realize that you, yeah, you can't be anything but present when you are under such intense circumstances. And in that circumstance, your anxiety is true anxiety, right? Where it's helping you think through what you need to do and helping you stay alive versus the anxiety that we're always trying to help people let go of, which is I'm going to get coronavirus. I'm going to get coronavirus. I need to, you know, that's yeah. a different kind of anxiety than, Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm present in this moment because I have to be. And so I think that that's a good example of when you have true anxiety, 
that needs to be focused on, you can tell because it consumes everything, you know, it's like, okay, what am I going to do this moment? What am I going to do this moment versus the laying in bed and just imagining everyone you love dying, because that would be a pretty normal anxiety response, but that's not helpful. But when you're late, when you're truly in that anxious place, when your life is on the line, it's a very different way of coping and dealing with it. And it is healthy, which is crazy, but it yeah. is healthy. I never even thought of it that way. That's a great thought on thoughts. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, that's that's so interesting because like it really is that anxiety. It is an anxiety response, but it's helping me actually deal with the problem at hand. Whereas, you know, when I was feeling a little bit better and I was in my apartment for three weeks and I would just think about like, well, now I'm never getting married because I'm never going to be able to date again. And nobody's going to love me after my, you know, quarantine 15 and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) you know, like all that, all that dumb anxiety that you feel for no, you know, no good reason. But, uh, it's been, it's been a journey. That's for sure. Like I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. Like it's been pretty scary and I downplay it a lot and I joke around a lot, you know, and you got to be positive. But, uh, a lot of my fear actually comes from like my parents, you know, like I don't want them getting this because I can't imagine what that would look like. Um, I, you know, I don't want to pass this on to my friends and their kids. Like that would be just the most devastating thing, knowing that like you're the patient zero of like, you know, everybody around you coming down with something. And, uh, so it helps me, helps keep me like grounded and helps keep me responsible. You know, like there's been moments where I've just like, uh, screw it. I just want to go do something, but it's like, no, no, no. You need to stay down, stay in, get healthy. I mean, the last week I have not wanted to do that, but you know, over the, the five weeks that I've been quarantined, cause starting in, in New York and then in Utah, I only saw, you know, five, five people total. So two that I stayed with, two others that I stayed with, and then a friend that dropped off something for me. And, uh, that's it. Try to be responsible about it. But even that it's like those five people just spider web out and you don't know who they're going to see or who they're going to interact with. And like, if they're a carrier, if I'm a carrier, it's scary, but. Well, and knowing you, Chad, I think you are, very self-aware person and I think you take a lot of interest in improving your own mental health and you know bettering yourself and your coping and I just think you know what you said about being present is so true because you had to use all of those skills you've been building so that you didn't put yourself into like a panic attack situation because you get yourself in a panic attack and then what happens, you struggle breathing even more. And so it is a situation where, you know, if you are, I don't know, there's just like different kinds of anxiety here, which is really interesting because like, say you go down that thought you just had a thought spiral of, I just came in contact with five people. And what if that spider webs out and I'm patient zero and, and all of that, like guilt. And there's, it's just such an interesting, like emotional climate for everyone right now, I feel like, and everyone's experiencing different degrees of it, but there's like grief going on. There's anticipatory anxiety of like, what's going to happen. And then there's the anxiety that 
like you and Jessica were talking about, which is like real raw, like this is keeping me alive type of anxiety. So I just think everyone's having to utilize like different degrees of coping and different kinds of skills, depending on what their situation with this has been. Yeah, definitely. I think like if this would have happened even four months ago, I might not actually possess some of the skills that I have to like manage my emotions. You know, I've spent like in December, I started having like major just anxiety about a lot of things that was going on in my life at the time. And like just a lot of like really hard moments that like I couldn't really come to terms with for whatever reason. Um, and began like really doing a lot by way of like self-discovery and, and um, try, like self-mastery, you know, like I got back into therapy, thank heavens. Um, and a lot of it was like, dude, honestly, KJ, I told you this, but like a lot of it's due to like, just listen to you girls talk on here and talk about like the different cases that you guys have dealt with or your own anxieties about being parents or the guests that you bring on. It just helps me realize like, you know, sometimes we do need to just talk it out with a, an objective third party who can help you manage a lot of those thoughts. And then uh, I found a, uh, a thought trainer. It's a lot like um, cognitive behavioral therapy, honestly, but like a lot more personalized to me where you know, I talk to her every week and we just kind of go through how to deal with the emotions that come up and like, you know, how thoughts kind of create those emotions. Like emotions are just chemical reactions in your body and your thoughts kind of fire that off. And so helping me understand like, oh, I can control some of this, right? Like a lot of emotions are just going to come and go, but it's been, it's been really helpful and like was a, a godsend at the time because now you know, I'm able to differentiate between like the real anxiety of like life threatening illness that I'm currently a carrier of. And then the anxiety that is, you know, some of the guilt that people are throwing at me for having coronavirus, which is like interesting. Like I've been Corona shamed. Yeah. I was going to ask about that because especially because you left New York, there's like a famous blogger that got a ton of hate. Yeah. Because she left New York probably at the same time. So mm-hmm. I was going to ask you if you have experienced the same Corona shaming. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Honestly, um, not to the same degree because I'm not popular or beautiful, but like I definitely had some people. You don't have a half a million Instagram followers. <laughs> no, I don't. I think I have half an Instagram follower. It's actually, oh, it's actually well. AJ's son is my only follower. <laughs> oh so. my gosh. Um, a big fan. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah. Big fan. But uh, I've definitely seen some of it, you know, like I think a lot of people it comes from like a place of fear. And uh, and also, like, I think it comes from a place of like community responsibility, like, you know. Yeah, it can come from that mixture of like love for the people like I don't want you to come and infect my Mm -hmm. people that I love. But then also this like terrifying unknown of like outsider you're an outsider now because you came from new york so we don't trust you here totally and i think like a lot of it also comes from this sounds like harsher than i mean it but like ignorance about corona virus and like what it actually means to like self-isolate versus like social distance versus quarantine like those are three different terms that we use interchangeably but they actually mean three very different things and like when it comes to coronavirus there's a lot of unknown but there's also like 
like for that blogger, for example, you know, she's isolating in an RV with her family and likely hasn't come in contact with anybody besides maybe like uh, a gas station clerk. But I also know everybody in Utah goes and fills up their car with gas still and like comes in contact with somebody by way of gas station clerk. Right. So it's like there's that two sides of that coin where, you know, for her and her family, it made a lot of sense to get out of New York because she has a bunch of young kids. For me, it made sense to get out of New York to come and take care of my family who I have a lot of at risk elderly people who I'm the only caregiver for here in Arizona. But uh, at the same time, you know, I ended up having coronavirus and uh, like I know that I've been socially responsible, but I've definitely had some people like throwing some shade my way. And to be fair, like they're not wrong. <laughs> like, like if I knew that I was going to have this or I knew that I had it when I left New York, I would have never left. And I would have, um, I would have continued to like hunker down. But that being said, like with the information that I had and the health that I had, I made the right decision for me and I have to hold on to that. Like the only thing that I would do different is not go to Utah. I would have just come straight to Arizona. And, um, but you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, And like I said, the doctors actually think I got it on my drive down from Utah, just from when I began to show symptoms to when like I actually started to get sick to when I got tested. Um, it, I had already left New York and been out of New York for two weeks by the time that I got tested, two plus weeks by the time I got tested. And usually right. you show on day three. So mm-hmm. um, they're like, yeah, you probably got this either from the rental car itself or from some interaction at a gas pump. Wow. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. So everyone wear gloves when you get gas. Yeah, those <laughs> That's gas what I learned from this. And it can live on plastic for like up to, I think, 72 hours now is what the most okay. recent findings are so yeah that's uh, why we leave our packages outside right i will say too on the other side i've seen a ton of support like people out of the woodworks coming to say like hey man i heard how are you doing like you know people from my from the church community that i grew up in in arizona like are bringing frozen lasagna and like chunk cookies and chip cookies and like you know and my parents don't know how any of them found out. Like, I guess some of them follow me, but like it really does spread mostly because I'm like, I am the novel, novel coronavirus person, right? Like there's not many people that you would know who have coronavirus. Um, but I've seen like a huge outpouring of love and support too. like a lot of people just like, Hey man, like thinking about you, worried about you. I get texts every day from people just being like, Hey, you good? Like thinking about you. Um, so for, for all the shaming, for every like one shame that I got, you know, I got 25 positive reinforcement, we love you messages, which is great. You know, that that's really what it's about right now. Um, but I don't I don't blame the people who are shaming me like I, they're totally right. You know, like that their concerns are valid. And um, if I could do it differently like I would have like I would have still come to Arizona but I would have just been a much more I don't know like I said I've I've seen five people since I left New York not including my parents so I feel like I kept it pretty minimal but even those five people I just worry about so I think that's like healthy perspective taking like being able to see why maybe people would be upset and I just think right now that's something that we all have to be practicing even more 
You know, I think there can be just so much judgment thrown at people for the decisions they're making. But, you know, at the end of the day, we just kind of have to focus on our, our own mental health and the boundaries we have and what we're doing with, you know, our choices, I guess. Yeah. Because that's what we have to live with. Yeah. I mean, you know, I made the deliberate choice not to fly from Utah to Arizona just because, like, planes and airports are very crowded places. So I decided to rent a car and drive down, um, you know, and I felt felt good about that, that it was the right decision. I, you know, I still feel like leaving New York was the right decision for me. and But I also, like, really want to go back to New York. Like, I really miss it. And, you know, there's a good chance that I'll head back at the end of the month regardless of what's going on just because, like, that's where I need to be. And hopefully, like, things will die down across the country and we find that most people are healthy and we flatten the curve, but yeah, it's been an emotional roller coaster to say the least. Yeah. I love when you talked about just kind of the work you've been doing over the last four months and how the timing of that was, you know, really crucial and essential for navigating some of this in a, in a healthy way. And I just worry that, you know, a lot of people that have never really experienced anxiety are now experiencing it and don't know how to cope with it because it's like a new thing. And suddenly people are, you know, needing to be in their houses and working from home and having to homeschool and like all of these things. And we don't really know when it's going to, I guess, end. And so could you like speak to that as far as, you know, as you've done this work in therapy and just on yourself, like what have been kind of the main things that you've utilized to help yourself cope with all of these situations? Man, what a good loaded question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I can sympathize with the people who are like feeling anxiety for the first time. Cause it's like a debilitating feeling and like, you're really worried, you know, like, Hey, I'm a millennial and we get a lot of hate, but there's been no other generation that's gone through two massive financial crises in less than a decade. Like, you know, like we, we have seen a lot of like really crazy world stuff happen in our lifetime. Um, you know, and when I think about the kids who are coming out of college right now, you know, I have a friend in PA school. She's set to graduate in April, but she's not going to walk. And like, luckily she's a PA, so that's healthcare. And so she'll most likely have a job. But like a lot of these kids who are leaving college are coming into a really messed up job market. And that's like, I dealt with that when I graduated, you know, I dealt with that as I was coming out of college and coming home from, from a, a church service mission that I did. And so like I've kind of felt some of this anxiety in the past as far as like, what's my future look like and what does the world look like moving forward and what like actually is going to happen here. Um, but the one thing that like I've been anchoring on, like a thought that's really helped me recently that I haven't always had is just that like, and this might sound kind of cheesy, but like a faith in humanity, like everybody that I know on an individual level is inherently good 
like when we look at like humanity as a whole, like at a macro, you're kind of like, yeah, we do some really crappy things. And sometimes we as humanity don't make great decisions. But when you look at it at the individual level, like there's a lot of good and there's a lot of selflessness and there's a lot of um, people going out of their way to help their neighbor and help their loved ones. And so like for me right now, I've just been really trying to focus on those good stories because like there's a lot of bad stories out there and there's a lot of like death and a lot of destruction. Like, I mean, I personally know um, two people who've been affected by this with family members dying in New York and um, it's devastating, you know, but like there's also the healthcare workers who are on the front lines and like really fighting hard on behalf of all of us. And there's the communities that are hunkering down and, and, you know, circling the wagons around these small businesses that need help in this like crisis. And there's the families and the fun moments of people being able to slow down and connect in a way that they haven't really gotten to in the past. You know, I'm doing zoom calls for cousin sushi with all my favorite cousins from across the world. Like one's coming in from Oslo, one's coming in from Denver. I'm in Arizona, got some in, in Boston. You know what I mean? Like we're all just eating sushi just from, you know, our favorite local sushi joints and just chatting because we can now. And there's like a lot of humanity right now. Like there's a lot of real human connection and that's so freaking beautiful. Like it's awesome how people are coming together. And so for me, when I start to feel the anxious moments and I start to think like, crap, how is this all going to work out? Like I just started a new job. Am I going to have a job? Like, are they going to keep me on because, you know, financial crisis or are my parents going to get Corona? Like my dad's not feeling super great, but he's just, maybe it's just cause he's tired. Like, we don't know, you know, like if I allow myself to go down those, those, those paths, there's no coming out for me. So, you know, the main tool that I've had is just trying to focus specifically and deliberately on the good. You know, I can't always control all of my thoughts. I can't control my first thought, but I can always control my second thought. And so, you know, like one of the things, this is kind of a dumb exercise and you guys probably have done this before, but for like the listeners, you know, one thing that was for whatever reason, eye opening to me was I had um, the person I was speaking to say, okay, Chad, think of a blue box. Like, close your eyes and think of a blue box. And I did that, right? Like I closed it and he, he was like, how big is it? Is it? Is it actually a cube? Is it a box? What color blue is it? And I had this like thing in my mind. He said, okay, now think about a red circle. Like I described the red circle, like, you know, how big it was, what color red it was, like, was it actually a sphere? Like, you know, describe this whole thing and he's like can you tell me anything about the blue box <laughs> you know and it was just it was like very interesting to me that i completely removed the blue box from my thought process whatsoever like completely because i was focusing so intently on this red circle and that's something that's like the first tool that was ever given to me in my arsenal saying like you can't control the first thing that comes into your head all the time like you're gonna have these anxious thoughts you're gonna be like oh no what if my dad gets corona but i can control my second thought which is if he does, we know what to do because we've been through this before. And there are like qualified healthcare professionals who are here to help. And I can really like, you know, sucker him because I know what it feels like to go through this and yada, yada, yada. So that's a very long winded answer to your question. And I feel like I wasn't very concise, but, that was awesome. you know, 
you use whatever tools you have. No, I, I personally feel well, my anxiety just decreased, like listening to that. Yeah, I feel great about humankind. Yeah, I just like that's so true. And I know there's been a lot of people lately that just like hate being on social media and the internet, but I have personally loved it. And I think that's just because of who I like choose to follow. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a lot of just really like people being so creative and so uplifting and just rallying around each other. And I think that is just really something we haven't seen to this level because we are so connected with the internet that we can see that like right there, like tangibly, totally. you know? So no, I think those are amazing tools and I really love that you can't control your first thought, but you can control your second like that is gold. It's gold nugget right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been the biggest tool in my toolbox for sure. You know, and you're right. You know, the memes have been, have been on top of it. The memes oh, have yeah. been fire, on but like point, for sure. the, uh, the, the creativity and the, and a lot of the beauty that's coming out of it and the connectivity, like, you know, I love that there's no longer, you know, I, I say this half jokingly, but there's no longer like a stigma or shame for a bunch of people sitting around playing video games because it allows you to connect in a virtual <laughs> world, you know, and it's I think that like there's going to be a lot more understanding about what it means to be connected through this Internet of Things and, and how we how we can still maintain our humanity and maintain our social contact, even when we are like worlds away. And I think just the conversations that people are having like people are forced to just kind of be with each other and converse and like emotionally connect and that i think can be so healing yeah i think um i've been seeing two schools of thought on that too like on one hand i'm seeing like if you like, don't come out of this, like, you know, with that side business started or that whatever, like, you know, mm, in yeah. better shape, whatever. like you, you, time was never your issue. It's like motivation. And then I saw on the other hand of that, like, if you come out of this, like with any sort of sanity intact, like you're fine. Like you're not yeah. supposed to come out of this with like a business or like oh, yeah. a million because, you know, you've timed the market right. And, and I tend to agree with like the latter of that, you know, like some people yeah. will be able to use the time and they're a little bit, they're in a different mindset or different socioeconomic standing, or there's so many things that go into it. But like, I agree with you, KJ, if we can just come out of this being a little bit more centered and a little bit more aware of our impact on like our immediate surroundings, our family and our friends and our communities. And if we can come out of this, like with a little bit more empathy and a little bit more, um, you know, spirituality, whatever that means to everybody. Like, I think that that really would be a successful use of this time. Like, I don't know. I, I pray that we never, the world never shuts down like this again. Right. But like, it's the days are long and, you can spend your time and I recommend you do spend your time watching Tiger King on Netflix. Um, <laughs> but 
you know, you can spend your time just binging a lot of shows and, and just passing the time that way, which is totally fine and totally valid. And like, I'm doing a lot of that. I've been doing an SVU marathon. It's been great. <laughs> but uh, on the other hand, you know, I'm also FaceTiming with a bunch of friends and a bunch of family and I'm connecting with people in a way that I haven't before because that's the only connection I have, you know, literally the only connection. I don't even get to talk to my parents. Mm -hmm. Like we're, we're in the same house, but I haven't seen them for two weeks now. So yeah, I'm with you, KJ. I think, uh, I think there's a lot of good that can come from this and like a lot of connection that we can really feel and hopefully just be able to center more on ourselves, come out of it with like maybe some resolved trauma or some insights into who we are and what we do and why. And, you know, hopefully a lot of people feel like they can find resources for help if and when they need that. You know, like it's, it is hard to reach out and be vulnerable with people. But like, as we, like for me, I've been really vulnerable with some really good friends that I haven't necessarily always been vulnerable. Like as a guy with my guy friends, a lot of times there's that machismo, right? Like, but uh, I've talked to KJ's brother-in-law a lot about like my feelings and like how hard stuff has been for me over the last four months. Like it's not just now, but it's been a new chapter in our relationship and uh, talking to my friends while we're playing video games, you know, like they're all actually concerned about my health and safety and it, like it, it kind of brings to your, the forefront of your mind, like mortality and the fact that like, you know, we might not always all be around with each other. And um, that vulnerability has been like really essential for me to get through this with my mind intact, you know, being able to actually tell people like, yeah, I'm actually really scared. Like Sunday night, I, I thought I was going to die and that's terrifying, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I love everything you just said because it is like the perfect time almost to be doing those relationship inventories. Like it's put right in front of you, like how much people mean to you. Like even just thinking about, you know, your parents getting it and what that would feel like and the thought of not having, you know, people in your life that you love like it, it is a time to really be like, okay, well, how am I treating these relationships day to day? And how can I take kind of these feelings that I am experiencing now and put that into patterns and habits in my life for maintaining my relationships and that vulnerability with people? And um, I just love that, you know, it's like, we were all put in a situation that would cause a lot of disconnection. Like we can't go out and be social right now, but people are finding ways to connect still. And I think the ways they're finding are even, you know, strengthening the connection. And I think that's just like a really, I don't know, beautiful thing to see. Totally. Yeah. I love this thought. I appreciate your guys' beautifulness. All of the words. <laughs> Likewise. Was that the right way to say it? Okay, yeah. I yeah, so. I like There's no wrong way to express that. Right? <laughs> I do think it's just a beautiful thought. Well, I think, you know, that can kind of be our takeaway from, from this and from talking to you, Chad, is just, you know, there's going to be uncertainty and anxiety surrounding the unknown, but you can 
you know, focus in on those thoughts and you can change your thoughts and move forward and, you know, take this opportunity to, to connect with people. And, um, I don't know. Thank you so much, Chad, for just letting us, you know, so much come talk to you about this because what a wild ride you've had. <laughs> yeah. We appreciate Honestly. you, even though you can't breathe. Still yeah. doing it. Yeah. Hey, you know, it's 100% my pleasure. Like I love your guys' podcast. I've been listening since like day two, I think. Um, so. <laughs> oh my gosh. Not day one. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, I didn't know about it day one. Okay. I okay, tried. It's fine. <laughs> No, I definitely appreciate coming on and like, I, I love the the messages that you guys share and the guests you guys have. Um, I'm honored to definitely like just talk about it. Corona's been quite the journey, but if I could like give one piece of advice, it's you know, if you're lucky enough to be quarantined with somebody you love, like take a moment to give them a hug and give them a you know if they're your spouse or or family or friends, like just give them a kiss and let them know that you love them. Create those moments of like vulnerability and intimacy because I haven't had that in six weeks, you know, and, and not having somebody like give me a hug and tell me it's going to be okay is like not great. But like, I get that virtually, right? Like I get to talk to people like you, I get to talk to friends and create that vulnerability and that intimacy. So yeah, take a moment to just like be grateful for what is there. Well, I'm, super grateful for this conversation. I feel, I feel much lighter. Like my anxiety has, has lessened just listening to this. So thanks, Chad. We appreciate you. Likewise, virtual hugs all around. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com, and if you search thoughtspod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Vrijic from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.